I'm Austin Basis, and this is Actors Speak, where actors speak and I listen. Welcome back to part two of my interview with actress Rachel Drummond as we continue the conversation. So when you audition for, like, you know, talk about comedy or drama, when you audition for different mediums, do you take that into account and how do you adjust for TV or film or theater, let's say, if you've had theater auditions? I haven't done a play in... I know, right? Years, I think. I think that um, improv, improv definitely filled that needing to be on stage thing for me. And then this year, I haven't been on a stage at all. Nobody has. It's been so hard. Um, but with everything being kind of self-tape now, for people listening five years in the future, there was a pandemic now. Yes. <laughs> We're all uh, recording our own auditions. And so I do adjust. I literally adjust my background. I have a bright blue background if it's comedic or commercial. I have a gray background if it's theatrical. We light it a little bit differently. I got, you know, I got a ring light and some soft boxes and a microphone. And so like our little studio in the corner of the bedroom, it's very malleable in terms of how it looks, in terms of how close I can get to the camera, you know, a little maybe a little closer maybe the mic is a little closer to me for drama so I can kind of drop in and be a little bit more real yeah and then if it's bigger and more comedic and it has to be expressive or it's multi-cam then I can you know go out for a wider shot and it's the bright background and I can maybe be a little bit more kinetic with your actual like dissection of the scene are there dial shifts besides volume and and size and scope does the actual essence of how you're approaching the scene and the character change? I think I just realized something while you were asking that question. I think I allow for more improv in a dramatic scene because I think my dissection of the scene and my script analysis and my kind of approach to a comedic scene is much more mapped out. Yeah, I think in a drama, I think that I allow more space in it for things to happen, whether yeah. it's emotional or making it more... I think, you know, I like to make a more dramatic scene as positive as possible because I think there is that instinct, like you were saying, of people like mimicking what they see on TV. And so that's what like 80% of the people are going to bring in. And like, how can you find what I do? Which is if I'm at a funeral, I'm probably going to be like trying to lighten the mood or, you know, um, be positive about as many things as possible. And so I think I think I actually do leave more room for improv in a drama. And then it, in a comedy, maybe the the improv is um, in specific places or left for the end for like a button or yeah. yeah. I know. Um, do you know Stephen Guarino? Oh, that uh, name actor. sounds familiar. Yeah, he's on. Um, he was on. I'm dying up here. He was a series regular on that, but he was on. Um, Oh, he's been in a million things. He was in Bear City 3 with me. And he improvises so much in everything. And I, I have watched him and been like, how, why, how, you can't do that. He's like, of course I can. I just thought they're just casting me. So this is like what I have to say here. I'm like, but the writers want to hear what they have to say. And so maybe, maybe he didn't always do that. Maybe it's just like the level that he's at, he can do it more or whatever, but we were uh, filming Bear City 3 when he had to fly back for his test for I'm dying up here. And when he told us all like how it went and he was just saying how, you know, and we had all like seen, you know, worked with him on the scene and everything. And he just, you know, 
he walked into the room and was like, ugh, like sat down. It's like, guys, ugh, traveled from filming this film in the Poconos and I had to fly out here. I'm exhausted. Well, you tell me a story. You know, like he kind of took over the room, even improvising conversationally instead of like, hello, thank you for having me. You know, now I'm going to do my show. He was just like, here I am admitting, admitting, admitting like all the time, no tension. So I don't know. I've never done anything like that unless they're like, have fun with it you know, make it your own. Yeah. Then I can absolutely do that. But I would never walk into an audition and just let it fly. I feel like he's mastered the art of inoffensive arrogance. You know, that's a fine line. Yes. That's a fine line that actors and and comedians and artists need to walk when they when they enter a room of strangers. And he absolutely has all the finesse and hits all the notes and has the complete mastery of what they do want to see. And then he's adding on top of it. This is me. And this is my joke. This is my aside. Yeah. In that, in that project, he did play a stand-up comedian. So it's maybe more appropriate, but yeah. Is he a writer too? I don't think so. Improv comedian too, or probably. Yeah. When you say you're, you analyze and, uh, dissect a comedic scene versus a dramatic scene. I mean, that tells me that maybe you rehearse a comedic scene more than a drama where the drama maybe is harped on more, a little investigation of the subtext and the emotional life of the character. Yeah. And then you let it fly and be real and spontaneous. In general, rehearsal, is that something that you love or are you like memorize and go kind of gal? <laughs> It depends. Like uh, speaking of crying, if there if there does have to be some any kind of crying, I can't rehearse it very much. But other than that, I'm down for a lot of rehearsal. And uh, Alex and I kind of came up with a, a technique of rehearsing it first, and then me doing my thing, getting ready, getting dressed. Wardrobe is a lot of it to me. <laughs> Wardrobe and hair, and you know that kind of working from the outside in. Sometimes I can't even get what I think I'm trying to get, and it's like I don't know how to oh, what am I missing? And then it'll be like, button up your shirt a little bit more and put a brooch there or put your hair in a different, you know? And it's like, I don't know why that works so well, but wearing the costume, is part of what we love about it. Um, yeah, it's outside in, even if you're you're working. Yeah. I mean, there's a happy medium between outside in and inside out. Like you've obviously yeah. worked on the stuff, you've made choices and then to meet halfway so that you feel in your body, in the body of the character, not just you, Rachel, you, yeah. you find a way to feel like that character physically on your skin. And if I have to play a character that is buttoned up yeah. and, and nerdy and uptight, I will pull my socks up and wear tidy whities Yes. Right? Because yeah. it's, you know, as a, as a male actor, <laughs> it's important. Uh, and it's a, a huge choice what underwear you're wearing yes. and what pants you're wearing to be in that character. The same thing is like, I sweat a lot, so if I if I need to play a cool character, I can't show that I have pit stains, you know. Yeah. But if I am playing a character that's under the gun and nervous and is uh, self conscious, then I'll know they're showing, and that will help me as an actor. And it's really ultimately choices are not to show you're this character; it's mm-hmm. to help you feel like the character. Yes, and sometimes you don't even know what the character is until you put the stuff on. Totally. I have these clip-in bangs. It's like a wig, but it just clips on the front and it matches my hair. 
And sometimes we'll just throw them on at the end, be like, let's see what the bangs do. Cause it's like <laughs> the bangs are another character. Cause as soon as I put them on, it's like a, like kind of a looking out from under at the world or something. And it just kind of changes my attitude a little bit. It's a little bit more wide eyed or a little bit more fashion conscious or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm like that? glasses or not glasses or not. That's always. <laughs> and then I have so many different kinds of glasses. So I'm like, is it, is it the wire rims? Is it the, the horn rims? Right. Is it thick ones that are, look like I'm from the seventies or sixties working yeah. for NASA. Now, when you get on set and when you're in the, in the heart of production, are you someone that likes a lot of takes or do you, I mean, you're an improv specialist. So if it is, and it does require that, I would think a lot of takes are better because they could edit it the, like, you know, curb your enthusiasm. You do a ton of takes, they edit it the way they want to anyway, they're covering everything. And yeah. so that's how it's edited together. But a lot of times as guest stars, you only get three takes, but would you, appreciate more if you're allowed, even for crying scenes, I guess. I guess those are the only ones you're like, I can only do it a couple of times. <laughs> or I can do it more, but I don't enjoy those as much. You yes, know? Right, I did yeah. one where I, it was a student film and it was a very difficult technical thing they were doing with it. A camera was going around me on tracks, but they couldn't, they had to pick up the tracks as they went. Otherwise, they'd be in the shot when it came around the side. And it had to just be me realizing what everything spiritually that was going on with my life and having a complete emotional breakdown, basically, just sobbing. And I had to do it for so long, for so wow. many takes. You did curb, right? I did, yeah. What was that like? Were you using your like improv techniques that you learned at Actors Studio, or have have you done comedy improv? I did comedy improv, but I never really did long form. We uh -huh. we kind of the the troupe that I was with did short form, kind of whose line is it anyway? And I just used my actor instincts to do that. I knew the basic rules yeah. of yes and and. Uh, um, establishing character. I still never kind of mastered it. I just always did a voice and a physical life for uh -huh. the character and just went from there and didn't feel the need to announce <laughs> what I was or who I was right. to anyone else. But it, it seemed to work. And then we moved into sketch and improv. And anytime we'd get the opportunity to compete in some sort of improv thing, we would always, because we had a couple of guys that would just do crazy choices uh -huh. and didn't like the rules, unlike you, we would do basically a, a scene flurry, right? Uh, yeah. And mm -hmm. it was like our own version of a long form improv where we just get one word from the audience and go on for a half hour, jumping from scene to scene. And one of my friends, the guy who did the, uh, um, Josh, who did the Bernie's Wonder Years yes. theme song, we had a piano. It, like when we, we did one competition where there was a piano and when we were rehearsing, there was a piano there. So what we would do, we would bring it all together in a final song. Amazing. <laughs> but it was, it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a Wayne Brady song where it like <laughs> rhymed and had rhythm and we were all good singers. It would just, we were like stand up there almost like chorus line or rent <laughs> and just said what we just did. And then ultimately the agreed upon finale was that at some point we'd, feel the the end of it coming and give a look to each other and we'd all kind of combine for a harmonized we are florch because we called ourselves florch 
oh made up word. My gosh. So that's all we did. We just did the scene flurry and then we do the song at the end. At some point, Josh would make his way over to the piano and we'd each sing a segment that explained the whole story. And we would end with We Are Florch. Have you watched We Are Freestyle Love Supreme? No. It is on something. Prime? Amazon Prime, maybe? Yeah. My friend Anthony Venezziali is in it. He um, and uh, my buddy Andrew Freed, who is a big producer, and before either of them had all their success, they yeah. were doing this improv group with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Why his name went out of my head for a second. And it's incredible. This song improv is incredible. Yeah. Like, I feel like any level of improvising a song, but those guys are like the best and it, and they're like good songs. And the, the show is really, it's fascinating because you kind of get to know the different guys on the, in the group and Andrew was filming it years and years and years ago. This yeah. is like, they had probably filmed it 20 years ago or something, but he still had all the footage and, you know, and then he did like current interviews and they made the show about it that's I, I recommend it but i love that it's we are florch and then we are freestyle love supreme i think you guys should all watch it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, i'm sure their songs are better than ours our song was kind of in the the tone of this is ridiculous <laughs> and we're just gonna retread everything we just and maybe have a, a moral or a lesson that we've learned by spinning off the word fork or silverware right. you know right. When you did Curb, were you more nervous than you are for other things since you were improvising and you're not normally improvising? What was that like on set? I was more nervous for the people I would be working with, uh, yeah. like Larry David. And I didn't know until I got to set because it was hush-hush yeah. about the Seinfeld actors. Yeah. And the biggest challenge was working with my love of Seinfeld and their work yeah, and balancing that with my job as the actor yeah. uh, or the waiter. But I felt like, talk about doing what you're feeling. Yeah, As a waiter serving these people, they're not playing other people, they're playing themselves. So I- Okay to have that intimidation. Fun. Totally. I yeah. quickly made up a backstory that I had just graduated UCLA or USC film school and I was taking a year off and I- <laughs> Ironically, it was Michael Richards started talking to me because uh -huh. uh, he was in the ultimate, the second scene after Jason Alexander had the tip debate. But Michael Richards was there and we were just waiting in between lighting setups and, and takes before we even started. It was, we rehearsed, I don't know if they do rehearsal, but um, and I don't remember. He started asking me questions and giving me instructions about how he likes his tea. And I thought, I thought, I don't know if this guy knows that I'm just a, a waiter or he's another actor just like trying to get me and, and asking me about my background. And I started bullshitting. I started making up like, I, I just, yeah, I just graduated UCLA and um, I, you know, working and trying to, you know, write some stuff and do some, you know, independent film. I'm an actor uh, or like making some stories that wasn't totally true um, and made me seem younger and, more hip than I was in Venice. So that's, uh -huh. I had to be hip to work as a waiter in Venice. So anyway, I, I just went on and I realized I'm like, wow, that works for the, the scene. And I don't, I have no idea if he was serious or if he knew that I was actually, cause he leaves the scene after I, before I even have my, my bit. 
you know, I just kind wow. of come over as he's leaving and say, oh, is he leaving? Is Are you done? Do you like to check and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it, it was fun because- it's like helping you, know, you warm up. Yeah, totally helped me warm up. And it was just a, a, a nice experience too, because I had known Jeff Garland through someone. Uh-huh. Um, actually, my brother taught his kids at, or one of his kids at uh, his the school that my brother was a phys ed teacher at. And so uh-huh. I'd come into contact with uh, Jeff and his wife and his kids. And now that I'm working on Curb, he felt like the connection and, so he didn't, he wasn't even working that day, but he showed up to support Aww. me, which oh, was awesome. So great. And I remember after we had done most of it, uh, most of the coverage, he came over to me and he's like, you just knocked it out of the park. It was a great thing. And I just, that made me feel so like. I love that. Yeah. I used to go see his show every week. He did Jeff Garland's combo platter at IO. He did, yeah. I think he did it weekly or monthly. I would always go, so good. He's just a really, really cool, really down to earth guy and funny. Always, always thinking of that next joke. Yeah. Speaking about like on set experiences, do you have any memorable experiences on set or your most memorable experience on set that stands out as something that either is a great memory or was impactful on you as, as an actor, artist? Uh, so many, but my most recent one, I just did Shameless, which uh, my scene was with William H. Macy. Awesome. And so it was just, I mean, everything about it from beginning to end was just dreamy. It was like, he is so playful. Like, even though he's this character going through <laughs> a lot of trauma yeah and he's like literally beat up you know in the scene he's got all the makeup to you know make him look black eye and open wounds and everything and and we had to wear masks because covid is scripted into their world but just looking in his eyes and just having that feel it feels like electric like anything could happen and every take is different and he's just there to play and be in it and you know just having an argument with him when in, in the scene and then Shanola Hansen who's on the show but she was directing this episode was so incredible and like just effusive with her support and ideas and energy and we got a lot of takes which I love and yeah the whole thing was awesome and it wasn't just it was two scenes and the second scene I'm not really I'm in it but um I'm not featured in it, but he is speaking to my character in it. And the cameras are all kind of up in his face because it's important that you see what he's going through emotionally and mentally. And he was just looking in my eyes the whole time doing that whole speech. And it was just like such a treat, such a, um, you know, I've had that experience with certain actors on stage, Eric Honeycutt, Zabeth Russell, like people who you're looking in their eyes and there's this feeling of like, all right, this is cool. Like this person can handle anything. This is going to go great. I think I don't dance, but it's probably like having a great dance partner where you're just like, I'll do my thing and you're going to catch it all. Nothing is going to get missed. Um, Bob Dassey talks about the thermodynamics of improv and how like you don't want to waste anything. Everything that's generated can be used. And so like remembering, noticing, hearing, connecting, like the audience is hearing it all. They're totally relaxed. They have no tension. (laughs) 
they heard it all. So the more you can relax and like get it all. And I think that's that feeling when you work with someone who's so great at what they do is like totally like, ooh, this is so much fun. So yeah, easy. being locked in where there's a communication going on as the characters, but between two actors. Yeah. So there's a silent dance happening that each actor understands without sacrificing the integrity of their character, which is yeah. what you work for. You work for that, the, those moments, even if it's just one or two scenes in a project with someone you've looked up to. Isn't he a Chicago Steppenwolf guy? Yeah. Ironically. I always wonder his his technique as well, because I, I thought I had heard his, um, he's more of a Meisner type of like, every take is different based on the other actor and he's gonna acknowledge what he feels in the moment without adhering or being locked down or kind of chained to his preparation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for sure that's how he works. It's Was better. it improv? Was there any improv involved? Not really. I mean, they didn't lock us down in terms of the blocking. And so there was some, it was funny, there was some comedic stuff that came up in the rehearsals and we were all there, everyone was kind of laughing. And then it, it didn't end up working this comedic beat that was happening. And I can see myself almost like attempting it in the, in the cut that got used and the take that got used. Yeah. I, like, I know what I was going for there, but it couldn't happen because of where we were. It was kind right. of a, him trying to lean across the plexiglass and argue with me and me being like COVID safe, you know, yeah. stepping yeah, back. Yeah, yeah you know, his character not having spatial awareness or whatever. Um, he's so generous too. So it's like, it is that feeling of, I always interpret it as looking into their eyes. You know, it's that electricity that's there, but it's also that you're, you're seeing them, but you're also being seen. So I'm always making eye contact with the person in the scene with me. That's a big thing from improv is like eye contact. Otherwise, how are you communicating? But when the other person is really seeing you too and really going through the stuff that they're going through, you can you can sense it. And it's that that connection. So it wasn't improv, but it felt like improv. And then he was trying to design the end of the scene so that it could be my moment, which of course that's never gonna happen. And I know it in the moment, but it's so sweet. He was like, I'm thinking if I do this and then I can just end it on her reaction there. <laughs> Like, I love that you thought that, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, he so, is. So lovely. Yeah, he seems like a really generous guy. And I, I, I look forward to hopefully working with him at yeah, some point. Yeah, sure. Um, on his next project, because Shameless this is the last season, right? Yeah. So talking about working with other actors, do you feel that uh, chemistry is just a magic thing that happens? Or can it be engineered by an actor's skills or two actors' skills? I mean, I think a lot can be engineered, but I have also had the experience of playing a character um, where my mother in the play got recast and it was so different. Just the play, there was no improv going on. It was just a different person doing this, but I, we had chemistry as mother and daughter and it was just like alive. And the other person was a fantastic actor. There was nothing lacking in her that I saw. It was just like a schedule thing and they had to recast. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You know, so yeah, I think, I think it can be engineered to a certain extent, but I don't know. There's that thing of the, the thing where you can like get any two people to fall in love if they follow these things. Have you heard of that? No, what are the things? Uh-oh. Yeah, if you Google it, like a guaranteed to make two people fall in love. 
So, and it has to do with eye contact. I think you hold eye contact for a certain amount of minutes without speaking. Um, you know, you, you ask each other these questions, tell me about your mother. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but, um, the article that I read about it, the woman had just tried it with, you know, she was like, we probably already liked each other. We probably already had chemistry. And then yeah. I was like, well, let's try this thing. And then now they're married. But yeah. <laughs> so I think connection can be um, made to happen for sure. Yeah, there definitely is a magical element of it. But I, I do think it does have to do with the connection because you'll often see at a certain point as an actor if that's getting a lot of work and that's working, it's a, just a job. Certain projects are just a job. Mm -hmm. Whereas for us, you know, it's not just a job. It's, it's an experience, a new experience, maybe something that'll bring us to a better place in our careers. So mm -hmm. there's more of that youthful, not naivete, but exuberance going into something and that passion for the project. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had very few, you know, jobs that were just jobs and just like, I'm going to do my work. Everyone else is going to do theirs. We're going to go home and, you know, get our paychecks in a couple of weeks. Right. Unless so, you're working on like an industrial or something. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. there, you know, you see it all the time. They put these awesome casts together and director and writer and, you know, like they try to engineer the movie to make a lot of money. And whether it makes money or not, there's something that doesn't gel or come together. Mm -hmm. And part of that is, you know, the assessment from the outside, which can always be changed from the inside, is mm -hmm. that it's just actors doing their jobs and they missed opportunities to genuinely connect in the moment right. between the characters. Right. It's like your teacher that was like, can you take Austin to cry or whatever? It's like, can you get these people to have some chemistry? Right, exactly. Like a way to do it. Yeah. And there probably is, but there's so many personalities and egos and things like you never know what's going on between two actors. And you hear things like on Dirty Dancing that they like didn't get along. And I'm like, what? But maybe it was their irritation with each other that was connecting them in a fiery yeah. way. So like you don't know like what the thing yeah. is. It doesn't have to be a positive connection. The the positive tension of that conflict was put under whatever their love affair was supposed to be right. in the movie and held it up. That happens a lot where love interests don't like working with each other or hate each other, but because there is emotion and something there, it's kind of disguised by what right. is in the, in the script and the characters. Right. Uh, and you only see the energy, but not the real right. love or hate between them. How do you prepare? Have you done chemistry reads? Do you prepare for those differently? As an actor, I always look out to connect. Yeah. With the person on a human level before going in, whether it's before we rehearse, any opportunities outside of the scene. Mm -hmm. um, because I know in the scene, you know, part of my training, part of my actor studio stuff is it's all based on that energy and the relationship between the characters. If there's not, you know, to go back to my previous question, if there's not a, uh, a connection between characters that are supposed to either be butting heads or working together in, in, in a smooth or, you know, connected way, then it's not going to work. 
right. each, each actor could be doing their job. So as an actor outside, I feel like bringing the personal rapport with someone as a professional, as a person helps any scene, um, even yeah. if you have to butt heads, because then there's a trust that you can show that side of you without the other person thinking that you really don't like them. People work in different ways. So there's the outside work as an actor before the scene or before the moments that you're on camera or on stage. Mm -hmm. And then there's the actor's work really reaching out across the, the, the scenery or the camera to connect and affect the other person genuinely. Yeah. No, you know what was going to happen. And it's almost like a level of trust. Yeah, it's a level of trust and it's You're like, I'm cool. Just so you know, I'm cool. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. You know, like I feel to a degree, you're right. It's everyone can come in doing their work and engineer a level of chemistry, but there's something that you can't explain that happens. And that's when kind of sparks fly, whether it's a love interest or people that are butting heads throughout a project Yeah. as the characters. Yeah. It's sometimes unexplainable and to try to, say, what were we doing that worked is, is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other actors that you, you kind of either look up to, or I know we were talking about one before we started recording, but are there actors that you look to as mentors, role models, or people that you just want to work with and enjoy their work? Yeah. I mean, so many. Of course, the instinct, I'm sure everyone says Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's fascinating to watch people who are great. Like, how, how are they doing that? People that floor me with their performances, you know, lately I've been kind of obsessed with, I don't know how you say her last name. Is it Florence Pugh? I think so. Uh, I've seen her in just so many things that she just seems so she's amazing to me. She just constantly surprises me. She's fascinating. Yeah. And same thing with, um, Belle Pauly, who, Pau Pauly, uh, she was in, um, King of Staten Island. Um, she was yes. on the show, but she also is like, it's like, you can see everything that's going on inside them through their eyes or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, Halle Berry and Monsters Ball, like something like that, where it's just like uh, seeing a person, everything they're going through, just so transparent. And so, uh, yeah, I love Angelina Jolie for that reason. Like, I feel like I can just see everything the character is going through. So I think that's what I appreciate most. And, and I think that's what you get from like the relaxation of those actors, like Bill Murray, who it's just like, yeah, it's all out there. It's not holding anything back from the camera, even though his character might be holding back from another character in the scene, I, I still get to see everything. And I think that's kind of magical. I'm not quite sure how they do that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do think you, you're right. It's, it's definitely relaxation or that's part of it. And with success and comfort and sense of self and awareness and, uh, age comes a relaxation and some people that we're talking about are way younger than us but have it instinctually uh they may yeah. be insecure or have other feelings outside but when they're on camera they're able to put it all aside and reveal yeah. themselves in a way that some people feel forced to indicate 
someone said Michael Caine's book, one of the things that he talks about on acting on camera is that the camera is the trust fall. So you as an actor just need to fall back and trust that the camera is going to catch you. So yeah. you don't have to feel the need to indicate that you're feeling something. You're right. That the right. camera will see it if you're relaxed enough yeah. and open yeah. enough to let it happen naturally. Yeah. I mean, watching Maggie Siff work, I, as I told you, I'm mildly obsessed right now. And that question of like, what is she doing? But it's more, what is she not doing? Probably. It's just like, she's just living it and she's done all the backstory. She's outrageously intelligent and has done like, you know, all this work and is this strong, you know, knowledgeable woman like the one she's playing. It's not like any of that is fake and she's getting into the emotion and the story and, and then she's just letting it go in a way of like, just being there in the scene with any number of these other fantastic actors and like, what a, what a joy to watch her. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, she's not doing anything. But she's doing everything. No, right. It's so still and so grounded and so connected. It's this perfect combination of mystery and secrecy. Yeah. And complete transparency. Yes. And I have a thing with her, which I have with other people who are not actors, who I perceive as these kind of perfect people. And I <laughs> told Alex last night, I was like, I have the problem with Maggie Siff where I'm like, God, I made all these wrong choices to not like literally be her. And it's not even like wanting to be like her. It's like, it's this weird, like not logical thing of like, shoot, I should have been that, that one that person i have that with my my obgyn too <laughs> like this heroic incredible you know like a character out of Grey's anatomy or something and i'm just like oh man why didn't i go to med school alex is like because you have no interest in doing anything yeah and yeah I'm like, but she's so perfect right i know right yeah. the perceived perfection of other people right it's deadly it is it's uh, to your own ego. Luckily, I don't do it with too many people. Just no, yeah. and Maggie Sip. What's the gal, Jane, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? Uh, Jane Levy. Yes, Jane Levy has that magical thing to me. She is so precise and so perfect comedically, but she's also like fully living in everything and that, that very dramatic story that they're telling yeah. in this very lighthearted way. She is magical to me. So talking about uh, before I, we, I asked this next question, I wanted to include the fact that my teacher talked about the sensory work in actor studio and Lee Strasberg's mm -hmm. lessons with the sensory work. Cause I think people confuse the method acting and the actor studio stuff with purely being about drawing on your own experience and sense through the senses and having effective memories and remembering trauma from your past. But she studied with Lee and she talked about the, the lessons of all that work are simply to deepen relaxation, hone concentration and expand your imagination. So speaking of you know, actors that you, you know, look to and, and enjoy their work, are there any writers or directors that are working now or have ever worked that you would have loved or would love to to be a part of a project or, or work with that are kind of your speed and someone that you feel like would challenge you and be a joy to work with? 
Greta Gerwig, I think is amazing and is telling um, such personal specific stories as, and she always has as an actor too. And I think she yeah. is as a writer and director. You would fit so comfortably into that world, by the way, I think. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think she's uh, really exciting. Yeah, I don't know. Noah Baumbach, of course. I think like, I don't see, see myself as like fitting into a Quentin Tarantino world, but he, I admire in that way of like that experience I had when I was, you know, a kid of being so overwhelmed and washed over by something like so taken, like I, in his movies more than any others, I've been like, what is happening? You know? Um, so as actors that, have had ups and downs and struggles and have pursued this tumultuous career and balanced it with lives and families and, and work to stay afloat. What is it about acting that you love so much and that keeps you coming back for more knowing that there may be still struggles ahead? Yeah, I think, I think it's changed over the years. And I think the reason I do it is very different than the reason I started doing it. You know, my junior high friend telling me we're gonna be actors has come a long way since then. But I think the reason I do it now, honestly, is it's my job and I'm, I've trained for it my whole life and I'm really good at it. And um, I'm just lucky that I still love it. And I think that if I, and I've always told myself that if I didn't love it, I would stop doing it. So the having kids and family and everything and the struggle of it is definitely like, I mean, whenever I hear success stories that start with, it was about to quit or whatever, I'm always like, yeah, we all are. We're all always about to quit and we have, we're, but we're artists and we have to recommit to this job every day and be like, no, I, this is what I do. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like lucky that it's, it's so, I think the impermanence of every job and the unpredictability of the job is also within like the scene work that we're talking about. It's within the improv. It's what we like and crave somehow. Um, and whether we got into it because we're non-committal or because we were raised in a joint custody situation or because we needed more, you know, therapy or uh, <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, it doesn't matter the reason we got into it. And the same reason, you know, I mean, some maybe somebody who became a doctor wanted to like, you know, cure cancer. And they're like, wait, I'm not doing that. But I am. This is my job. And I'm good at it. And I trained for it. And hopefully they love it, too. You know, I think it just it changes over time. And I think it's important for my kids to see me doing something that I love. And it's been kind of neat, honestly, as enraging as it has been to do, <laughs> to have to switch to self tapes and have so much of my job be at home. It has now turned into a gift where I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back in the room. I like how much control I have in a self tape. And to have them see that sometimes they're in the room watching or sometimes they read with me, you know, so that's fun. I think it's important for them to see that it's success isn't just like, you know, the series regular, although they are like, when are you booking a series regular so we can get a house so we can get a dog? Like, that's the big question. Yes. Because that's I have attached the dog to all those prerequisites. Right, exactly. <laughs> we have a cat and that's the biggest struggle with self-tapes is the meowing in the background. Yes. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like even now Colleen's got the cat in the other, on the other side of the house. We both have our, our 
children and spouses. Yes, our children and pets uh, and spouses uh, <laughs> quarantined in the corner of the uh, the other corner of the uh, our the apartment. Other corner of the quarantine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you quarantine over there. I'll quarantine over here. <laughs> it's funny. The quote that I love. There's a quote that I love that talks about like that struggle. It refers to a different uh, environment, but it's Jimmy Dugan, Tom Hanks's character in *The League of Their Own*, uh-huh. and Gina Davis's character's husband has come back from the war, and she's left for the big game. Oh, yeah. she, has, she decides not to play, and he goes to get her, and she ultimately confesses that it's too hard, and he's like, "Hard, hard." It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. The hard is what makes it great. I just love that because it's so true. I mean, it's really- And isn't it true about life too? I mean, my friend who I'm helping with acting turns out to have studied Zen for 20 years and is trying to teach me about Zen. And I was like, I see universe. I see what you did there. I'm supposedly teaching her about acting, but really she's here to enlighten me. So, um, totally. Zen and that's what she just sent me a message today that said, like, you know, you, I hear you judging yourself about something with something negative or something I was writing. I was judging as being too morbid or too negative and, and that I'm wanting it to be Zen. And she was like, but don't you see, that's what the Zen is. You can't, we can't get around it. it. All the suffering is there. All the horrors of life. It's like, you know, she's always like, it's all bullshit, but like, the Zen is to accept it and then eventually to enjoy it. And, you know, I don't understand that, even that yet, but that's, you know, it seems like the same thing you were just saying, Jimmy Dugan is saying. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Dugan is a proverbial uh, sage, yeah, <laughs> a, a, a recovering hard. alcoholic proverbial yeah. sage. <laughs> yeah. So talking about the struggles and talking about what you love about acting and the craft, what is your least favorite aspect of the industry and how would you change it and how would you adjust it to suit your needs? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe a kind of us against them uh, environment where but i don't know that it actually exists or if it's just our perception i think ultimately everyone is kind of on the same side and i know you know you have probably seen more of the negative side of of business or like people trying to like pay less or get somebody else for a different reason or like i haven't been at that level yet but just um feeling like that you have someone against you or someone not supporting you enough or someone you know it's like casting directors like us and agents want us to succeed because it equals money, but it feels kind of like strife or like, I guess I would change the narrative that actors have about that stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The cutthroat kind of, you know, uh, the paradigm. Yeah. And now it's been very clear to me now because there's a whole new set of things that we can worry about and we can see so much of it with our self tapes or, I mean, did that file get downloaded yet? I can see if it goes in a certain way, I can see if they downloaded it or not and they didn't. It's like, okay, so now that's the new thing we get to worry about instead of who's the other person in the waiting room. Like, why don't we don't get to worry about that anymore. So we have to find something to 
obsess over or get negative about. And I think, yeah, I think I would want to just like, be like, we're all in the same boat. I think Colleen said that one time to me about you when we were talking about uh, maybe audition mindset or something of going in and being like, look, we're all making this thing. We're all artists. You're this artist that writes it and you're this artist that casts it. And I'm this one who's showing you my interpretation. And like, we're all cool kids. We're all at the same table or whatever. Like yeah. Metaphors, yeah. Colleen puts it in a way where it's like, you know, maybe a lot of actors didn't grow up as the cool kids, but yeah. you just want people that you're going to get along with and work with and make the best product possible. And yeah. it has to do with more than just each element being brought to the table. Yeah. It's the table and who's around it itself. That is, is the ultimate goal and the combination of who who's around the table. Yeah. That works best for the project. Yeah. So, you know, we sit around and wait for auditions, right? We sit around and we, or we create our own stuff. Like you guys have done independent films. You've done sketch comedy. You've done stuff where you're creating projects to be in, but even with both of those things happening, there is an overall arc, like an underlying arc to your life and career. And I do feel at some point it's important for an actor or an artist for their life goals and their career and creative goals to align. What are your creative goals and how do they align with your, your goals in, in life? Mm, oh my gosh. It's a deep question. Yeah. I don't know that I have my life goals <laughs> clear enough to answer that other than just to be happy and healthy and surrounded by people I love. And those I- Those are good life goals. Yeah. <laughs> I think that those do line up with my career goals. I think having kids, you definitely start thinking like, well, I wanna do something that shoots in Los Angeles. It would be nice to do a TV show so that it could be more regular hours. I know it's never regular hours, um, yeah. but I did a play with Kate Linder, who's been on YNR for 30, 40 years or something. And that's as close as you can get to a nine to five job, probably in LA as an actor, um, being on a soap opera. And I think that, you know, when I worked on Two Broke Girls, it was definitely like, oh, this is the way I would love for my week to go every year. Do one of those Chuck Lorre shows that's like, feels like theater, you know? You yes. got your rehearsals and your table reads and your blocking and your live audience. And it was just like, you know, so there are thoughts about that, about lifestyle, you know, when am I home? When can I go to Little League games? When can I, you know? if you're shooting a movie in, you know, a far away land then, and you're gone for three weeks, like, what is that like with small children? Um, and I also have writing goals and uh, directing goals and stuff like that. I've had to kind of be like, there is a, a certain sense of urgency when you have the, your story to tell um, and your movie idea or your book idea or whatever it is. Um, but then there's daily life and there's no time to sit down. And if you wake up early, then maybe you get an hour to write, but you're more tired and cranky with the people you love later. And 
And then there's that thought of like, oh, I'm going to have a lot of time to write when the kids go to college. And while that's many years down the road, that does become part of the creative process is like, how can I kind of like let these ideas play around and hopefully not leave me, but also know like, I might not have time for you guys until later and maybe someone else will have written it by then and taken care of it. So yeah. Um, yeah, but I I mean, that same thing of like always, we're always on the verge of quitting and we're always having to recommit. And it really does make you re-examine your career a lot and ask like, am I gonna be okay with, if I'm just at this level and I haven't leveled up and I'm 70, am I gonna be okay with that? And the answer is yes. Like I w- I'm very happy. I love my job. I love my <laughs> lifestyle, you know? Um, so yeah i mean that's a a, that's a a human realistic answer you know if things happen that are loftier than that as Mm -hmm. as your career and life goals um, or your career choices and goals are affected by your life and your you you need to be happy and healthy and have loved ones around and support you know support your family right which isn't to say that every day I'm not like about my family and about my job. I can't do this. And I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? Not becoming an OBGYN. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it back with the improv. I really screwed it up. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's one thing to, to, you know, and I do have that kind of like optimistic Pollyanna view of things. Like ultimately, yeah, I am a very happy person and I'm very happy with my choices. But yeah. You think that's the quality that shines through most in your work, your optimism and your your joy? Yeah, for sure. I'm and I um you know, I did Sam Christensen's image process, so I can tell you exactly what comes through and why and how it applies to every story I tell. And that is part of my preparation, honestly, is kind of like knowing, knowing the stuff that I don't have to work on, you know, not gilding the lily or (laughs) icing the cake that's already been iced or something. I don't need to work on being sunshiny. Like that's just going to come through if that's yeah. I might have to work on the opposite of that if it's that's not in the character, but guess what? That's what you're going to get if you hire me, you know, at a yeah. certain, uh, to a certain extent. Um, and there's also a certain amount of um, self-doubt that's like in my story that I tell. And there's a lot of pain in my story that I tell. And like the roles that I get cast in, whether it's a comedy or a drama, I'm always dealing with some deep pain you know and um and sometimes successfully and sometimes not but I think that I don't know that's part of part of like why I often get cast in roles that are like somebody who's really falling apart or in improv people love to see me having the worst day and completely falling apart that's like the story that I tell where people can be like oh look she's falling apart but she's still sunshiny or whatever it is that the audience gets from that I don't know right because there's still hope there's still an active expression of your like hope and goals and happiness and the 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 struggle to not let whatever you're facing overwhelm that or letting it overwhelm that I mean I play a lot of jerks 
Like I play a lot of very mean, bitchy people. And I didn't even know I had that in me until I waited tables, you know, with Colleen and we were in the trenches together and I would have to train people and I had no patience and I was very mean. And then had the experience of people working with me afterward and being like, oh, you're like a really nice person. And I was like, why are you saying that in a surprised way? It's like, because you were so mean when you were training me. And I was like, yeah, I didn't even, cause that never came up. I wasn't in those situations where I would get really frustrated, like parenting, you know, you don't, if you're not backed into that corner of fury and frustration and anger, you don't find out about it. So, yeah, I mean, I play so many characters who are just like. A bitch uh, brought about by circumstance. Yeah, or just just bitches, just like yeah. I just play mean people, yeah. you know. And yeah, I don't know because I don't know because you're not, and you could <laughs> lean into it more without that. Insecurity. But I am, but I do have that side, you know. Oh yeah, of course. That is that that is always a reaction to the pain of the situation or the pain of what I'm going through, and it's not the right way of dealing with it, but it is the way that people deal with it, you know. Yeah. It's a true way. And it's fun to see someone like that get their comeuppance or then be, you know, have the rug yanked out from under them or whatever, whatever reason I'm there in the story at that point. Yeah. It's so funny to think of you as being cast as bitches, <laughs> just knowing you and, and my in, in, uh, encounters and, and, and our our years of Jib uh, right. and friendship, it's like, I just, I, I can't imagine it, but I think it's funnier because I can't imagine it. I mean, I've probably seen a couple of projects that you did where you you lean into that that bitch hiding inside, but- uh, My reel, my, my comedy reel is mainly just like me yelling at celebrities or drinking too much or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Is there, or are there any quotes that, through your career and through your development as an actor have either guided you or redirected you or even consoled you uh, to kind of look back to? Or is there a motto that you have? Um, I feel like I have different ones all the time. I have a quote on my, on my mirror that says, there's magic all around you. Don't try to control it. Um, mm. And that is one of my like essences too from Sam Christensen is like, I threw caution to the wind and then went chasing after it. It's like, I want it. I want it to be free, but I also want like, I want those rules, but I also want to improvise, you know? Yeah. I think embracing the aspects of me that are self-doubting or unsure or awkward or, you know, dorky or whatever I perceive it, you know, uncool, but then also having the confidence in what I do and knowing what I'm good at it's like a, a balance I think that's innately in me but maybe that's the balance for everybody I don't know yeah you know and I like all that I like all the magic stuff and thinking positively really works for me and you know thinking about manifesting and you know I've got my crystals and my you know Buddha and that doesn't work for everybody but for my brain, whatever size it is, <laughs> works great. Um, so yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, I always recommend a, a book called The Inner Game of Tennis. It's kind of like the Zen of tennis, but mm -hmm. it's 
for anyone that's played tennis, uh, one of my acting teachers early on was obsessed with tennis, Gene Lesser, and he recommended this book, The Inner Game of Tennis, which is a self-help-like book. It's kind of like Zen in the Art of Archery, where it uses archery, in this case, tennis, as a model for getting out of your own way, in a sense. Yeah. And uh, you, you keep talking about like the Alan Miller exercise where your brain is smaller. In the book, uh, I think it's Timothy Galway, G-A-L-W-A-Y, goes on to expound what it's like to kind of have these two brains that are constantly battling each other for you know control of who you are and mm -hmm. the brains are kind of like you know your instinctual natural talented relaxed brain and the one that overthinks everything that holds the tension that all the things all the that, training and knows all the rules probably yes yeah. right and gets in the way of the other brain and doesn't trust that by learning the rules and doing the work and and the rehearsals or the practice yeah the other brain will get it or self i think it's he does self one self two it's two different selves but yeah it's a it's a short book but it's it's you know reading it as a young actor very very impactful on how i went about working and then letting that work go and trusting myself to do the work that I just prepared for without having to say, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. I'm doing, fixing this. I'm, I got to do this. I got to hit this, you know? Yeah. It was a, a very like powerful realization for me after having kids. And when I was saying like everything was broken and then I went to Stan Kirsch studios and it was this realization that I could just that I could work harder. Stan used a lot of sports analogies. There's such a similarity between athletes and actors and the amount of work that goes into it and that we don't see that as an audience. And often we don't see it even as a new actor. If it depends what we're exposed to. You know, when you're in the theater, maybe you see rehearsals and you see repetition and everything, but then how do you rehearse for your audition or how do you rehearse for your seen in your show that you booked and there's no rehearsal for it there's just blocking or whatever and just realizing what that work is and then doing it and it's hard you know but the the sports books uh the abc's of pitching is uh, basically about acting and the best book about improv rich tallarico introduced my team trophy wife to sacred hoops is about basketball but it's about improv it's about a group working together it's about group mind and it's yeah. brilliant that's about sports. So it's like, yeah, probably we could probably learn more about acting from the sports books than, you know, a, a lot of things in life like that are interchangeable. So obviously, you're reading these books about pitching and basketball and tennis, and you're so mental. Yeah, yeah, you're replacing it with improv or acting or working as a team, and yeah. it's an easy shift for the mind if you're if you know going in. I'm not reading this book to become a better tennis player or, yeah. you know, pitch in the major leagues. It's just examining the similarities between all these people that are trying to work at the highest level in their respective fields yeah. and do it in a relaxed and maximal way so that everything that they've worked on will come through and be there for them when they have to perform at their highest level. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
that's why I love talking about this stuff. And thank you so much for like talking with me for hours. You know, this will be in two parts. But, um, you know, I learned so much more about you as an artist and an actor and a person, but also it's enjoyable for me to talk and share and discuss these things because Mm -hmm. I love conversation and I also love acting and and what we do. And I think- We have the best job. I know an artist and I'm still and, talking about it. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Um, actors do love to talk, but you know, there's not much we can go to to hear people talk about what they love. Yeah. <laughs> actors love to talk, but you don't always hear them talking about acting. About yeah, how it actually works. <laughs> yeah, how it actually works and I what they love about it. That, but. <laughs> um, it's always about a project or you know anything. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for having this conversation with me, being on Actor Speak, being so open and- uh, I was honored to be asked and to be interviewed. This was great. I've probably told you this a million times, but you are the first person who I ever heard say, I'm an actor, like somebody who I knew. And I think I asked you, what do you do? Cause we were, you know, you had met Colleen and you were over at our apartment and it was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. What do you do? And you were like, I'm an actor. And my reaction was kind of like, <laughs> like, duh, we all are. But then I was like, oh, he means he's an actor. Like, and, I, and it was like this whole process that I had to go through to like mentally, like understand that, like, yeah, oh, he's just acting. And then, and then it became like a goal of mine to be able to say that. And then when I could say that, then it was a whole other process to be able to say it. But I always thought back to you saying it and was like, yeah, I got it unapologetically. Say, this is my job. And now I'm fine with it. But it's, it, that was like so many years ago. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I very impactful to me and it probably like, you know, nothing moment to you. Someone just saying, what do you do? I'm an actor. Like how great to be able to say that. Yeah. And, and it's, so it's interesting because I thought about it and I, part of that, what go went into that ultimately that evolution was coming from New York where there's a lot of actors who happen to do other things to support their acting habit. And I would come out here and there was a lot of people that said I'm an actor, but weren't really doing what you and I are doing to pursue it. And so I, it was a definitely a conscious choice to say, I am this because I say I'm this and because I'm working to do this for a career um, yeah. and not say, oh, I work in an antique gallery in Beverly Hills to right. make money. So right. I don't uh, have to go back home to ask my parents to live with them and yes. you know, do all this other it's stuff. That mental thing of being like, yeah. it, it's important to remind ourselves. And again, just because you say it doesn't mean it's true and doesn't mean it's gonna happen overnight. But yeah. you know, it's like the first step to uh, admitting you have a habit is to admit you have a habit. Right. Uh, or yeah, recovery. You, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we both have habits and it happens to be a great, a great career and a, an enjoyable yeah. life. But uh, either way, thank you so much for, for talking with me and uh, being on Actor Speak. Thanks again to Rachel Drummond for speaking with me, and thank you for listening.
And thanks to my lifelong friend Jason Liebman and up-and-coming musical prodigy Dylan Hazen for composing and producing the Actor Speak intro music and theme song. It pays to have talented people in your life, and I'm extremely grateful for this sweet tune. One last note. I want to give a special shout-out to Jenny Josephson for her guidance in conceiving and producing this podcast. Thanks for all your advice, patience, and support. Subscribe to Actor Speak on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, you'll be eligible to win some cool Actor Speak swag. Once again, thank you for listening. This was Actor Speak.